I remember one time as a, a young man attending a funeral. And after the funeral, uh, then attending the, the graveside committal and burial. And as I stood in the cemetery, I remember looking around and being struck by how oddly scenic the whole place was. That when I stood there in the light of day, that this cemetery, it didn't have kind of the, the haunted, creepy feeling that when you're a kid, you typically associate with a cemetery. But it was actually quite picturesque. It was very beautiful. The grass was perfectly manicured. If it wasn't for all of the headstones, you might have thought that you were on the fairway of a golf course. And if you're like Rick, you probably haven't spent enough time on the fairway of a golf course (laughs) to actually know what that looks like, but just take my word for it. And then you look around and you see these, these tall trees sprouting up from the ground. And, and their branches providing just this luxurious shade. And here and there along the roadway that, that carved through this cemetery, there were these planters with beautiful flowers, bright, vivid colors, yellow, gold, purple, pink. And against the backdrop of that beautiful green grass, they just had the most unbelievable Scenery here in a cemetery. And as a young man, I remember stopping and thinking that the scene was really quite strange. And since that time, I've, I've always felt every time I've been in the midst of a cemetery, I've almost felt as if I'm being lied to. Because the grass and the trees and the flowers planted, they don't change the reality of what you're standing on. That you're standing on a field of death and decay. That's surrounding you six feet below your feet is a sea of corpses. But it makes me think that we spend a lot of time trying to hide from death. We spend much of our lives trying to run away from the reality of death. Because if we're honest with ourselves, death kind of terrifies us. Or at least scares us a little bit more than we might like to admit. And it's not just confined to our cemeteries. We try to hide ourselves from death. We try to cover it over by by softening the name of it. Maybe try to church it up a little bit and call death going home or passing away. But it doesn't change the frightening reality of what death really is. Death is the destruction of body and soul. Ripping apart God's good creation. That's a terrifying reality.
And the other thing that we do, we don't just change the name of it. We, we try to just pretend that it doesn't exist. Everything that we do, everything that we try to build up, so often becomes this effort to hide from death. So we build up beautiful homes and we acquire a bunch of stuff. And we embrace these intricate hobbies and, and we obsess over our own children, as wonderful as they are, as a way to try to hide ourselves from the fear and the terror that death surrounds us. And as much as we try to cover it over with green grass and tall trees and beautiful flowers, we live in a world full of death and decay. We're surrounded by a sea of corpses. And all too often our response to death is just simply try not to think about it. But sometimes that's not so easy, is it? Lose a loved one. Face major surgery. Turn on the news for 30 seconds and all we see is war and senseless violence. And suddenly we realize that death is looming over us and it is too big to run from. What do we do? How do we respond? Changing its name and and softening that doesn't change the fact that death, when it hits us, it hurts. It's terrifying. And all too often, it seems like we turn to things to sort of escape the reality of death, to try to hide from it and cover it over. And all they do is lead us to more death. Right? Try to create some meaning or some semblance of life through acquiring wealth and great wisdom. And you'll find that all that is to be found there is misery. Because those things are never enough. Or some people, we try to search for transcendence through, through drugs or sex or alcohol, whatever it is. And soon find that that path just leads to loneliness and despair. We try to hide ourselves from death, but all we end up doing is running toward it. In our attempt to escape death, we just simply embrace death. You know, one of the things that Scripture never seems to shy away from is talking about the reality of death. And in fact, I would suggest to you that we really don't begin to grasp the beauty and the depth of the gospel until we really grapple with our own fear of death. Listen to the way that Paul talks in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Did you catch what Paul said there? 
in verse 1. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. In our sin, we're already dead. That's what Paul says here. In our sin, we are already dead. So long as we are following the course of the world, which is simply sin, rejection of God, rebellion to His will, so long as we are on that path, we are on a path that leads to death. We are spiritually dead people. Walking slowly but surely toward more death. Unless, of course, something would happen to intervene. You see, because on our own, we're powerless against death. That's fairly self-evident, I think. We can try really hard, and we've done pretty well to sort of delay death, to ignore death, but none of us have been able to overcome death. And so in the face of death, is our only answer going to be, try not to think about it? I think Paul gives us a better answer to the problem. Verse 4 but God. You know, I found that there's a lot of good news to be found in those words, but God. Because that simple phrase, but God, it pops up and it reminds us this is how things were. This is what you're stuck in. But God acted. But God did something about it. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. But God being rich in mercy. Seeing that we're spiritually dead people on a path toward more death, He acted. Because He is rich in mercy. Not because we deserved it. Not because He owed it to us. But simply because He is rich in mercy. He acted so that we would be made alive with His Son Jesus. You see, this truth, it's not something that is divorced from our reality. God's action took place in history. He sent His Son into the world to walk among us, to to live as we live. And Jesus not only walked with us, but He died the death that we deserved. And even more than that, He rose victorious over death so that we would be raised with Him. We have been made alive with Jesus Christ. We're not dead anymore. Right? Notice that back in verse 1, Paul says, You were dead in your trespasses. Past tense. In other words, you're not dead anymore. You don't have to run from death. You don't have to hide from it. 
You don't have to try to protect yourself from death because in Christ you are already alive. And because of Jesus, you're promised that when He returns, you're going to be raised with Him again. You were dead, but now you're alive in Jesus. Which then brings us to what is maybe every Lutheran's favorite Bible verse. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. But Paul doesn't stop there. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you ever notice that Paul's whole point about telling us that we're not saved by our good works is actually to tell us to do good works? Which on the one hand almost seems counterintuitive. If we're not saved by works, well then what's the point? But Paul's whole point here is to say, you're not dead anymore. To return to sin, that's what dead people would do. And that's not who you are. In Jesus, you're alive. So embrace the good works God's called you to do. Live like people who are living. Why do we constantly... In effort to hide from death, in effort to sort of create life for ourselves, why do we constantly find ourselves turning toward things that just bring more death? Why do we constantly find ourselves turning away from God and turning toward death when the very author of life the one who has the power to raise the dead. When the one who himself has already risen victorious over death, why do we turn away from him trying to find life when he stands before us and offers it to us freely? Right? Apart from works, Paul says. But instead, Paul calls us saying you're not dead anymore. You were dead in your trespasses, but now, because our God is rich in mercy, but now you are alive with Jesus. So live as people who are alive. You know, I think back to that image standing in a cemetery and seeing the the grass and the trees and the flowers. And I recognize that, that in the light of Christ that scenery doesn't have to just be this image of us trying to hide from death. But that scenery can be a reminder for us of what God can do in the midst of dead things. That in us, people who were once dead, 
in our trespasses and in our sin. God is doing something new. Through dead things, God's new creation is bursting forth into the midst of the old. Because we have been made alive with Jesus. Right? That's the exact language that Paul uses when he talks about baptism. It says that when you were baptized, you were buried with Christ. You were buried into His death. And because you have been buried with Christ, you will also rise with Him. I had this, uh, this professor in seminary, this, uh, an older gentleman. He was kind of nearing retirement. And he had this phrase that he always liked to say. See, he had this, this uncanny ability to take these wonderful truths and just distill them to like a sentence. And he always used to say, in baptism, the sinner gets what he deserves. He gets death. But in baptism, the death you get is not your own. You get Christ's death. And because in baptism you get Christ's death, you're promised His resurrection too. You're no longer dead. You've been made alive with Jesus. And because of that, God is bringing forth something living in you. Turn away from death. Turn back toward the one who's risen victorious over death. And discover there the life that he has in store for you. Amen?